Kia ora and welcome to Cinema and Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Max Tarrant. And I'm Sarah Watt. And each month at Cinema and Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar thing. And this month we are discussing The Salesman, which actually came out at the film festival last year, but got its official theatrical release in New Zealand in the last month. And also La Strada, which came out in 1954, thank you, 54, 1954. And the connection is that they both won the Best Foreign Language Film Oscar at the Academy Awards. La Strada was the first winner, the first one to win that award, and The Salesman is the most recent winner. Sarah, do you want to give us a bit of an overview of The Salesman? Yes, so The Salesman, 2016 film by Asghar Fahadi, who was very famous for his previous uh, foreign, foreign film Oscar winner, A Separation. He also made the wonderful film, uh, Iranian film, but set in Paris, called The Past. Um, and the, the Salesman is a fantastic film, typical art house fair, about um, a, a marriage, um, a couple... Iranian couple who are um, working working types. They're also thespians. They are uh, currently performing in um, Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman, sort of in an amateur dramatic capacity. Uh, and they're forced by circumstances to have to move into temporary accommodation. Uh, and in doing so, there's a lot of drama around where they're going to live uh, and then through a situation of mistaken identity and um, criminal intent, the, uh, the wife is assaulted. And the, the film sort of then tracks the fallout of the assault and how the situation affects the couple and how it's dealt with. Excellent. And Max, you want to give us a bit of an overview of La Strada? La Strada um, is a major classic of cinema. Um, it's directed by Federico Fellini who is just a mammoth, um, and he is an Italian. He was directing films in a... Well, he began a neorealist um, style, and then this film is apparently his big break from that um, genre. Um, this is a film about uh, basically a strong man and a weak or slightly mentally unstable uh, woman who up until this point have been living with her family, relying on them very heavily, and she gets bought by this strong man who is a vagabond um, carnival kind of person. And he goes around and he, he does these horrible little shows and tiny little villages that have been war-torn in Italy post-war um, where he breaks this chain across his chest. Um, and he's extremely nasty to this young woman who is um Gelsimina. Gelsimina, played by his wife and muse Gioletta Messina. She is fantastic in the film. Well I, I thought so at least. She's just kind of so dainty and, and uh fantastic. And basically they go on these travels, it's a road movie. Um La Strada means the road. This young woman kind of tries to get to the man. Um she struggles with with his the way he treats her but he still, uh, she still loves him. I, I think it's probably worth pointing, pointing out then in terms of spoilers. So we, we often talk about our retrospective <laughs> film with full spoilers. <laughs> uh, but with The Salesman or, you know, or the current film, we will keep it as spoiler-free as possible mm. while still being able to actually talk about the episode. 
Also worth mentioning, we are missing our fourth Cinema in Context buddy, William. William is away today, uh, so we wish him all the best. He will be back with us next time. So the, wanna... the first thing I want to say, um, particularly to our regular listeners, is you'll be familiar with the fact that generally when we, we choose our two films for discussion, um, they're, they're, the whole point of it's being cinema in context is that there is some sort of connection between the two films. Now, the interesting thing about this, uh, this time round, is that we chose these two on the basis of their simply being foreign film Oscar winners. Um, and, and not really knowing, uh, I think pretty much universally, when we chose the films, none of us had seen both films. So we weren't in a position to say, oh, yes, the theme will be this, or the connecting um, idea will be X or Y or whatever. Whereas in the past, we've done two Woody Allen films. Woody Allen makes for a very obvious sort of connection in terms of the starting point. In the past, we've done Viggo Mortensen playing a dad. We knew where we were coming from. So I personally had reservations about how on earth we were going to connect La Strada to the salesman until I watched the two. And then what I have found interesting, and hopefully we'll get into this, is how many connections there have proven to be, given that we didn't anticipate what those connections would be, and that we purely said, here's the film, that the, the Italian film that, that won Best uh, Foreign Film Picture in presumably 1955, uh, and here's the, the latest, which is Iranian. Now, I should point out to observant listeners that Italy and Iran both begin with I, um, <laughs> and they both have flags with red, white, and green on them. But other than that, we didn't know really what we were coming into. So it's proven to be um, quite an interesting uh, analysis, and uh, we'll see whether we can make an interesting discussion out of it. Uh, it's quite interesting as well. We, did, we thought that, that one of the key things was going to be a complex central relationship between a man and a woman. And that kind of has come to play a bit, but it's at the same time watching La Strada, it was like, this is complex in a very different way. That, very that, different, that, that, that's right. That did not become, for me, one of the central connectors. No. But I, I, I agree with you. That's what we did think was going to happen, and, it, and I, yeah, it wasn't quite like that. But I will say that the role, the female roles in both films were something that I saw as a real clear connection. You had Rana and a salesman, and the salesman, and Jalsamina, two very... I think quite strong-willed characters, female characters, and uh, Rana definitely, particularly in the first part of The Salesman, she is she is very choleric, she's sort of, you know, my way or the highway, um, and there's this really cool relationship between her and her husband, which he is a lot more, I guess, phlegmatic, and he, he sort of allows... And he's lovely, they he have a lovely, lovely marriage, that's, yeah. the, that's the, the biggest difference going into it, isn't it? You're looking at a lovely relationship in a salesman, The Salesman, and in La Strada, the immediate relationship is horrible relationship. Yeah. So you're yeah. quite right. And, but then, and, of course, things yeah, change well, a little. And paired to that is, um, in La Strada, we're looking at a, a very low-class, low um, low socioeconomic situation where we're seeing the devastation all around, and these people are on the bones of their bum compared to um, the salesmen, where they're middle-class, very happy. So it connects in again. It's just a happier overall start with one and a much more um, destitute, tough beginning for the other. True, that's true. But I would say, on a whole, The Salesman is actually a happier film. Oh, gosh, You yes. know, compared to La Strada, oh, I was watching it. Like, this is far more dark than I remembered. Like, I didn't remember it being so horrible. Mm. Just the way the Zampano treats Gelsomina mm. is just horrific. And it's unforgiving as well. And, and so, I know that we're not really here just to say, I really liked that one and I really didn't like that one, but... I didn't enjoy La Strada, and I didn't even not enjoy it 
in a, oh, it's a breaking the waves kind of makes me feel really uncomfortable, mm. but my goodness, it's well acted sort of way. I just didn't enjoy it because Anthony Quinn, the American actor playing Zampano. Oh, American. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so him, there, until the end, when there is that sort of awful sad pathos on the beach he's just a dick through the whole film and there didn't seem to me to be much range and I didn't have a lot of patience for this as you say feeble minded young woman Gelsimina who despite the fact that he abuses her and assaults her and won't love her back feels all this sort of warmth and wanting to mend him and all that and I I didn't have a lot of patience for that it's problematic it's really problematic it is, and it's. Uh, I tell you what, just just one question before we keep going with that yeah. discussion. Does does he rape her? Yeah, I, I would yeah, say I so. think so. Because that was yeah. that was. I was like, okay, they. So for listeners, Zimpano has this motorbike with a little trailer on the back, which they sleep in. And apparently, it smells like shit um, the whole time. And it's what uh, they travel around in. Because they they're, travel around. They're like in. a two-person circus. Yeah, and they go up into the mountains and everything in the snow and this thing. So it's quite interesting, but. The first night, I think, that he's she's with him. He just says, get in the he back. Get, he gets, yeah. says, get in the back, and so they do, and she looks very scared and all the sheepish, and or worse than sheepish, and, and she's crying it fades afterwards. out, and she's crying, but she, she gets up in the morning, and she looks back at him, and has a big smile. And I, and I th- which is very problematic. If, if I thought for a second, I was like, oh, okay, maybe he didn't do it, and this is a kind of thing saying that he has a little bit of humanity, that he's actually... I think it probably more likely gets into really complex issues of her being the sort of woman who didn't ever feel that she had her own agency or yeah. her own confidence and yeah. whatnot. And suddenly this life, you know, she, she's literally sold to him, isn't she, at yeah. the very beginning. Um, and so maybe she feels like, oh, this gives me purpose. Totally. And that this act that we've just done... Is, yeah. is what people do when they are a couple. Love, yeah. or, and he starts calling her his wife I think it, for right. the purposes of the circus. So she probably thinks, well, here's my purpose. This yeah. is this is my life now. Yeah. So if I'm his wife, I will get on with it. Yeah. Because she doesn't have that sort of, as I keep saying, that agency and that, that self-confidence to go, hold on just a second, mate. Mm. That's not happening. Because then, of course, it would be a very short film. Mm. And it wouldn't be Fellini. And it all would have been over. And again, so in terms of the connections and, and, and also connecting with what you're saying about the challenge of that film. Yeah. This is a more more hardcore realism than The Salesman, I think, in some ways. Oh, I I think what, what, what is so... What people love about this film, and is exactly of what it's so ch- why it's so challenging as well, is it's... It's just so heartrendingly tough, this life that they live, and this man is so rough. And she and doesn't just, leave him. And they're both, in some ways, just trying to find a piece of light in their lives, especially yeah. the, the young woman. Mm. But I think Zampano, under all the mm. ruthlessness, wants something in his life as well. Mm. But he, he can't see it, right? He's blind, that's what's going on with him. He, can't, he can barely he's, articulate his he's, thoughts. He's yeah. completely blind to her, and, and there's this whole thing about... Um, he says to his crowds, uh, "You may go blind uh, from watching this, my strength." Yeah. But actually, he's blind of all the beauty in the world. Yeah, nice. And um, I think that's what I love about it. It's so dark, but you're just trying to get this little glimpse of of happiness. And I guess in some ways, it's about finding light in in, in really dark times, extremely sure. dark times. The pebble, isn't it? Is that whole little pebble moment, which, as a metaphor, they make it pretty clear. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I love Gelsomina because of the performance of Giulietta Messina. That's that's my that's that's how I connect with her. But I, you know, she is frustrating. She's a frustrating character because she just doesn't really do she doesn't really do the things that I want her to do in mm. the film. Um, and I think on rewatch, I I definitely enjoy it because I love I love Fellini's Fellini's rhythm in his movies. They're just there's this this lovely rolling rhythm. And yeah, there's some perfect. really beautiful imagery and and not but, necessi- obviously for the audience, not necessarily chunk 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 uh, narrative logical structure just he just seems to have a kind of just intuition sort of for sure. the way things connect up and the time is not necessarily perfectly connected but yeah and i and look yeah. you know i think to be fair to the um the academy of arts and sciences or whatever they're called back in 1955 when they awarded la strada the oscar and indeed um at, at, i don't think it did go to can actually um but whatever contextually it will have been a huge thing in 1954 to 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 write characters like that, um, and to show those two, as you say, Max, those two really complex characters, both of whom are miserable, neither of whom are, have the sort of the capacity to connect with one another and to make it all right. So I absolutely see. So I don't want anyone to think mm. that I'm just saying, "Come on now, no. 2017 women wouldn't stick around for they wouldn't put up with such rubbish." pull yourself together, love, because I absolutely know that there are people who are in that situation, and, um... Well, I, hey, in fairness to Jelsmina, she did leave him. Eventually, yeah, that's she, right. No, not eventually. Oh, yeah, oh, she does leave, that's, that's right. right. He finds her and... That's right, that's, that's right. right. So, yeah. and, and that was quite... Actually, I found the timing of that really nice, and, and um... Mm. What, what was your point? Did you want to make more of a point? Yeah, what about? I want to say was that, that even though I mm. enjoy the, the film, I have to side with you a little bit. I feel very uncomfortable watching it this time around. You know, I watched this 10 years ago when I was in film well, at university, and I just loved it then. And then now when I watch it, I think, oh, this is icky. This is really quite icky. And I, and I can't reconcile some of the... Like, I'm sort of sitting there, why, why is this story being told, apart from presenting mm. the rough, rugged reality of what it was like for these people? But, yeah, I think the, the, the abuse that she suffers... I find it problematic. And this, dear listeners, is when we get into the meta. So, I don't really like Fellini much as a person. I had to study some of his films at university a few <clears throat> years ago as well. And I appreciate that he's a genius filmmaker, but I'm not mad on his way with women. And, of course, it's well, you know, we all know about his issues with women and um, mother, mother figures and all that sort of thing. And listeners may know that Giulietta Massina was Fellini's... Only wife, actually, for 30, 40 years, I think it was, until his death. Mm. Um, and yes, she was somewhat his muse, but also he wrote these blimmin' films, and he wrote La Strada, cast her in it, subjected her to this sort of behaviour from the lead actor, if you get what I mean, the lead, you know, the lead character, but then apparently didn't treat her that much better, I think, throughout the rest of their lives, because certainly he had affairs and philandered mm. all over all over the show. There's no question that this was a, you know, a 30-year marriage of, of monogamy or anything like that. And so I, I feel for her. She is lauded as being the muse and such a fine actress, and she's brilliant in it and all that. And I feel for her because in hindsight, this is at the very beginning of their marriage, and I think, oh, 
the oh, sort of foreshadows maybe the kind of um, you know she's desperately trying to love this man and blah 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 I mean I don't know I'm projecting I've not read a biography about it or anything no but it's like interesting that, you said it because when I was in my, my you know back when I was watching this film for university I actually wrote, wrote an essay oh. and I and I compared the life of Fellini to this film oh go there La Dolce Vita and Eight and a Half and yeah. looked at how certain ideas around particularly his treatment of women um, developed through those movies because you look at those well you look at all those films but you look at particularly those three films mm. and you know even Eight and a Half it's a I don't know if he's a film director in Eight and a Half is he a director? Yeah Mastroani plays pretty uh, much uh, plays him Fellini Fellini yes. right and it's, it's his fantasy and he and, can't get his film made because mm. he can't settle on what the story of the film yeah, is or something yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it which and is very meta yeah that's right and so and then he he, he has a troubled marriage in that and, mm. and and the wife in that film very much knows about the affairs and sort of complains that why can't he be loyal mm. uh, so I think you've definitely got uh, it was definitely a point to be made. And Eight and a Half was made, I think, 67, and so therefore that's 13 years after La Strada. And as you say, it's very autobiographical, isn't it? Mm. Eight and a Half. So mm. um, I, I don't have a lot of time for men like that. That's mm. my problem. La Dolce Vita. Even geniuses. I, I, I can't remember. I, La Dolce Vita, I remember scenes from La Dolce Vita, but what's the connecting thread with La Dolce Vita? Well, that's, he, a, that's a tough thing to say. Is he, but what's but, the main character? Is he a, he's a... Photographer, is he? Yeah, he's, yeah, a, he's, he's a, a cad as well, isn't he? Just another yeah, cad. A, I didn't like Love Dolce Vita either. Yeah, it's definitely I'm presenting such a an Philistine. I, no, but I think, you, I think you've got a point in that it's presenting a certain view of masculinity and femininity that I, I find really problematic. Yeah, like same. He, it's Lestrada, the way that the woman, that Gelsomina is treated, and not just Gelsomina, but the other woman, in the, like the way that he, he smacks the butt of that lady and she thinks it's this great, hilarious yeah. thing. I'm like, uh, it's not all right now. No. So let's talk context, though. The salesman. There is a complicated relationship between the husband and the wife, mm. and this doesn't give too much away, doesn't spoiler it too much for our listeners, that when the wife is assaulted, and it is categorically... No, it isn't categorically not her fault. That's what I was going to say, but it is a little bit uh, more complex than that. But the husband is, for all intents and purposes, supportive, but loses patience, doesn't he? And contextually, we're dealing with um, uh, a sexual innocent, a criminal sexual incident in... Are they in Tehran? I'm yep. making an assumption there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, and for listeners who, who, who don't know, um, the sort of the socio-political situation in Iran for women is obviously to be head-scarved and to be covered to the extent that, and this is one of the beautiful ironies of the fact that they're doing this play, Death of a Salesman, which as we all know is an American play, and that the prostitute character in Death of a Salesman, when performed in Iran, has to wear headscarf and trench coat. And, and wig. She's wearing and wig, wig and everything. Yeah. And talks about, on stage, her lines are, oh, wait, I, I'm, I'm not even wearing anything. But, of course, she is obviously wearing quite a lot because in order to stage the play in such a conservative um, country, mm, she has to be, yeah. right? Um, lots of little nuggets and cookies in the film. Yes, there are. So there are lots of parallels. And so the difficulty with our, our lovely protagonist in, in The Salesman is that she's carrying shame about what's happened. She's also blatantly in shock about it. She doesn't want to race to the police. She doesn't want to have to talk about the manner in which it happened. Um, but at the same time, she's obviously not healing. She's not doing okay. And her husband gets to the stage where he's like, look, we either go to the police or we just stop talking about it. And you need to, you know, you need to move on sort of thing. 
Um, and that's where, where sort of some of the fractures start to show in the, in the marriage, don't they? And, and each mm. of their sort of slowly disintegrating personalities. And we did actually talk at the start about how <clears throat> things are relatively um, bright in this film compared to La Strada, but the, it also starts with their film, uh, sorry, their um, building, their house, their home, um, fracturing. Yes. And the whole apartment block. Which is, I guess... <laughs> a metaphor. S- or symbolism or meta- yes, metaphorical for their, some maybe some deepest-seated um, problems in their relationship, or maybe it's foreshadowing. I, I think it's their, well, world, it's, their world is breaking down. Their world is breaking And down. I think it's foreshadowing as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, Fahadi has... Um, one thing I've noticed watching The Salesman is that there are mirrors everywhere. Um, and there's, yeah, a, there's a lot of reflection. You notice it more there's a on great, subsequent but There's a great viewing. shot as well where, it's, where you're seeing a shot and then you realise it's in a mirror and the mirror's being yeah. carried away. Absolutely. There are heaps and heaps of mirrors. So there's lots of reflection going on in the, in the film. Um, and plus there are increasingly, as we watch the film, increasingly obvious parallels between the play that's being performed and the, 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 the story, the, the, mm. the film's narrative and that mm. sort of thing. And it's really brilliantly done. I wonder if we can draw similar parallels. We had, um, we we did note, dear listeners, that um, that one similarity with these films is that both of them have a, a, a sort of a, a married couple in inverted commas who are also performing as a, a married couple, aren't they? Because we've got the circus types in La Strada, we've got the play in the salesman, and I'm and I'm just sort of thinking, I wonder what sort of the parallels parallels are in La Strada between the the circus action and their reality. And probably quite a lot. Mm. She's very much his minion, isn't she? She just sort of announces, here is Zampagno, here he is, come and watch him, and doesn't have her own sort of yeah. role in anything. I was trying to, <laughs> I'm not going to have anything productive to say after you've done a good little role there. But Sorry. <laughs> I, was just thinking, I was just thinking that I was trying to find out more about that, that connection. Yeah. And I didn't quite get there. I think it's kind of too deep for me, but... Um, I think it's interesting how he uses these kind of symbols in his films. Last Fellini. Yeah, yeah. Fellini, yeah. It's like things like the ocean and the carnival are not, they're not very simple metaphors or symbols. It's kind of very, it's like deep-seated in his psyche, I think. This is, if I speak about this in this way, it's very much the old kind of way of treating films that was popular in the 60s where maybe you just create some film and like I haven't really planned it all out but it's kind of coming out of my deep psyche and in some ways I do feel like that like the ocean is this kind of very deep psychic uh, thing that's connecting to you you don't necessarily know exactly what it means you don't necessarily know exactly what the carnival stands for but they just seem to have this very poetic flowing it's all bullshit doesn't it sound like bullshit (laughs) It sounds like complete bullshit, right? It sounds like an Oscar-winning film, yeah. doesn't it? You know? um, just to come back to, I guess, the, the point about the state of, the conservative state, you know... Yes. Uh, That's the, a big the, connection, the, obviously, yeah. between the two films as well, the conservative society Absolutely. and repression of women. That's, and that's what I had in my notes, was that, you know, you've got two films that deal with, uh, I guess, abuse and sexual abuse, mm-hmm. but also physical abuse, uh, but they're both produced in a context in which they can't actually show a lot of what's happening. And I think both films are stronger for it. I mean, we talked about, does he rape her from mm. La Strada? Mm. And, um, and I found it really interesting with The Salesman, how you've got this really clear, strong marriage here. And they, I don't think they ever touch each other. There's one shot where he's touching her to comfort her, but that's, his hand is off camera. Mm. Um, you know, you never see, you never see 
any nudity or or any, Gosh, no. or anything like that. And and you know the the women are always wearing their headscarves, and mm. it's it's an I just thought it was a really interesting tension to be talking about these really tough topics, mm. uh, and it just goes to show that you know you don't need to see everything. You know, yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you don't need to see it all, and and it's still just as impactful. And in fact, that whole thing of when you fill in the blanks with your imagination, it's often more affecting anyway because mm. you are able well, you're to becoming part worst. of it as well, right? You're yeah. becoming part of the film then as well, which is important. So, would you guys say that just looking at it on the surface of it, at least, if these two films are reflections of the societies in which they are produced and the mm. expectations and attitudes, and, and attitudes yeah. towards women? Um, you'd have to say that contemporary Iran feels a lot more respectful than um, post-war Italy. Sure, but they are such different cultures mm, mm, with mm. regards to women. I mean, it's only a few years ago that you didn't get pissed off in Italy if, if men yelled out, hey, beyond them, yeah, yeah. at you, you know what I mean? Um, because it's Italy, and you go, oh, that's what yeah. Italian men are like, you mm, know? Mm. Um I do I, later on. I definitely want to return to that that issue. I think is so interesting that we we're talking about with the expectations of of Fellini and whether this is still a beautiful piece of art, even though it's got these deep kind of problems with it. In the well, that's a bit why we're talking about because that's a big topic, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing. That's like, a how do you? Itself. Well, yeah. How do you how, how do you respond to something <laughs> when you know the? Per- we talked about this with Polanski, didn't we? Yeah. We talked about Polanski and like how. And how, and, and we talked about Woody Allen too. I was going to yeah. say before you were talking about how the film reflects his life so much. Mm. Uh, sorry, Fellini's, and it's crazy. Like, can they not get away from their own lives because? Um, we were talking about Manhattan know, yeah. yeah, and Manhattan just directly reflects in such a ridiculous way his own um, perversions yeah we don't see that in Polanski's, Polanski's work though, do we? well I don't know I think there's, there's a case maybe it's perversions of violence well yeah violence how violence affected a much, much larger role in his future films post his wife being murdered is definitely something that's been talked about I think my feeling with La Strada is it's I mean, these characters that are, are challenging to watch and they're stupid and they're annoying a little bit and they're nasty, it's kind of like if you, you must have a friend or a family member that you love to bits, but they just frustrate you and the things that they do and the sure. decisions sometimes they make and you just go continuously, continuously and you can go, God, this is frustrating, but somehow there's still a link of love. Sure. And, and in some ways I feel like that's, that's what attracts me to it and... And I suppose and, and, and it's, it's sad, obviously. It sucks because they're looking for this thing of light, and this is what really makes the film so nasty, right? Is that it comes to the end, and and it just the the rug gets pulled out from under you. It was never it never amounted to anything. We come out of it blue as ever because Zampano's dead, pretty much, and and at very least, even if he's now had the realization at the end of La Strada that that he has somehow that he is somehow beyond saving or beyond redemption yeah we've been watching it the whole time yeah. and those of us who are even re- remotely sort of socially apt are able to go god dude what a loser you need to pull yourself together yeah. so that yeah there's no revelation for us is there there's mm. no sort of ah mm-hmm. whereas the salesman which i find a much better crafted film much better written directed shot everything i just think it's magnificent does to me, without giving anything away, does give me the nuances of character development and resolution and redemption or lack of and all those kind of issues. And I love a bit of that. But, but that, that's the thing. That is a, that's almost a genre or a, 
expectations thing because here we can get to another really important connection between the two. In some ways, they're both working in or just post a neorealist form. Farhadi mm. um, is um, taking neorealism from Iranian cinema and in particular, God, I wrote down his name, um, the very famous um, Italian neorealist. Excuse me, just Visconti. No. Abbas Kairostami. If you've ever heard of him, apparently. Oh, yes, Abbas amazing. Kiarostami. Yeah. But Kiarostami, I thought he was Iranian. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. So I'm you saying said that, Italian. Okay. Oh, sorry, no, talking about Ash- Ashkar. Yeah. And he takes this realism and then he starts to pair with it a bit more suspenseful. And he, he says in an interview, I took basically from Kairostami mm. and I took from Hitchcock. Mm. So he's taking the nice. realism in a much more narrative suspenseful, yeah. interesting way. Whereas Fellini doesn't take it in that direction. He takes a very hard uh, neorealism that came from... Um, bicycle people, Thieves. Bicycle Thieves, yeah. exactly what I was thinking, but I don't know the director. De Sica. yeah, very famous stuff. Is and it? it's, it's, it's hardcore kind of Marxist, um, we want to see the doldrums of life. Sure. Um, let's, let's elevate that. And this is art, this is important to see on the big screen, yeah. but he takes it in a new direction. So it's very rough-edged, but mm. he's slightly more... He's taking that in more uh, uh, Fan- spiritual direction. And he also takes fantasy to his films. Yeah, yes. yeah. The absurd. And yeah. I always love those moments of Fellini where, like, there's those three men that are walking along the bank playing the flutes and the drums. Yes. And oh, that's nice. Actually, actually that brings me to the music. The music in the starter. Oh, yeah. Is, I mean, Nino Rota is just yeah. amazing. And, I mean, I love the Godfather films and his scores. All, all of the score that he does for the first two Godfathers are some of my favourite but the music in that in that film is just beautiful yeah, yeah. in fact the music it, it becomes one of the key it. characters for yes, just but it's, but it's really mean isn't it because the music is very sort of although, you know very jolly and it, what you're watching is not jolly at true. all true although at the end it does something quite nice there's like a there's a motif there which has been used throughout the film and then suddenly finally as the kind of camera's panning out or zooming out from um, Zampano on the beach it takes on such such more of a um, nasty, dark air. Like, yeah. there's one little part of it that you realise was never actually as happy as you thought it was. Of the music. Yeah. yeah. It kind of, I don't know how they, they emphasise it a bit more, and it just sounds much more dark. And One of the things that struck me about both the movies was the role of children, because in The Salesman, you've got this gorgeous little boy yeah. that, that she brings home, and it's sort of her little saving grace. Mm. But also in The Salesman, there's the absence of children, mm. because you've got the, the, the previous tenant, the, the prostitute, she obviously had a child who's been drawing on the walls. Mm. Um, and there's that mm. mention about the couple maybe having children mm. in the future. And then also in La Strada, there's, there's children around who are often watching Gelsemina. Mm. She's like a child herself. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I just thought that was interesting, and I haven't really unpacked it much further than that, but the no, role of children in both mm. films... Mm. Feels significant. Well, the lack of children in both films. Yeah, that's right. Or adult children. Yeah. Mm. And sort of this very adult-themed films. You know, the realm of adults, both of these movies. Yeah. And yet uh, children, or the way that children see see into this, uh, is, is quite interesting. Mm. Something else that you touched upon earlier, Jeremy, um, is something another sort of symbol- symbolism that I noticed in both films is, and I had jokingly said, oh, both women wear their coats, their overcoats for most of the film. But in actual fact, they definitely do. Jelsevina <laughs> wears her coat with all her layers on underneath all the time 
because I think they're invariably in some sort of cold temperatures. Mm. Um, and similarly, in a separate, oh, not separation, the salesman, um, again, it's kind of a cold climate for them because they're always bundled up in their jackets and, and their coats and whatnot. And then when she comes home from the doctor, she bundles up in bed. And there's a, there are a lot of scenes where people are putting blankets over her or wrapping mm. things around her head mm. and sort of cosseting her, yeah. cosseting her up. Which, again, I think um, signifies sort of a, well, it's definitely a, a lack of nudity and openness yeah. and, and flesh and that sort of thing. But it's also a sort of separation between you and your, your husband or mm, your other person, mm. whether it's, um, I don't want Zampano to be able to, to touch me, or whether it's, um, I don't want my husband to touch mm. me because this awful thing has just happened to me. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And, so, and again, in terms of particularly the salesman, about the expectations around women, right? Of like, let's bundle them up. And maybe like the way that they deal with trouble, mm. which has just happened, is to really wrap them up around and really support them and close them in rather than, I don't know, allowing them to Heal have their own way free, or... you know, in terms sure. of there's almost a symbolism of freedom and being wrapped up. And maybe in our society, if you dealt with something like abuse like that, it's more about how do you begin to have your own identity again. And empower somebody yeah, empower, again. Empower, yeah. yeah, rather than kind of closing them up, supporting them in a mm, more closed mm, way. Maybe. And, and the salesman, it's really interesting. I found this the way that they deal with the public and the private. Obviously, that's a big part of it, mm. the, the film. And that you've also got that mirrored in the way that the, the actors have the conversations off stage. So you've got the, the oh, woman nice. laughing off stage yeah. and they're having a conversation about taking the child home. And then, of course, that starts to blur as the husband character starts to improvise on stage yeah. and, and he mm. starts getting frustrated at, at his actual his, wife his actual wife but also is it Babak the, the the person that's given them the house yeah. and, and he's getting frustrated with him as well um, for not telling him about the person that was there before and mm. um, some other tensions as well um, yeah but just interesting to see how that shifts mm. and, and yeah and so so I didn't see the salesman again um, before watching this I saw it last year at the festival, and how I'd kind of set it up in my brain was relatively simplistic in some ways. Having this discussion has now re-complicated it, but the way I'd understood the film was basically as the death of a salesman, which they're performing, is this kind of story about a man who can't look after his family. Mm. Is that right? It's kind of like, particularly economically though. And then uh, this one is that right? Well, no, no. It's more he, he can look after his family. It's more that the the he's bought into the American dream and it's let him down. Mm. Right. Because and, he's and not he's, making it as a yeah. It's it's more that yeah he's just not happy. Yeah. That's, oh, okay. That's oh, okay. Well, that, that destabilizes my theory. Because I had thought that, that this is what I was. I mean, it was a while ago that I established this idea, but that and this is because that's what it's, a, a lot of it surrounds is. The expectations around this man and him dealing with his family being abused, how, what should he do, basically? What, what are the expectations? What's the right way to deal with this? Isn't there some punishment that should be given? Yeah. Isn't there... Should he be taking revenge? And law, uh, that sort justice of thing. and stuff like yep, that. Yep, that's right. I think there's probably a connection to be made there in the sense that in, in A Death of a Salesman, is it the Willie Looman? No, is that the main character? I can't remember. Willie Looman. Well, yeah. <laughs> what is... Yeah, what should he? What is the role? Of, what is his role as a as yeah. the patriarch? Is, that is, is definitely the, is part the, of the, is the person bringing home the bacon, eh? Yeah. And so it's kind of, in some ways, 
um, providing for his family in, in a way. And then in this film, it's kind of loosely connected there that he's having to look after his family. And then if something goes wrong there, has he got the power or is he doing the right thing to to rectify it? Mm. I think that's a fair, a fair connection. Okay, so... Another similarity, of course, is that there isn't just this couple, this ostensible husband and wife in both films, but there is another man who is very key mm. to both plots. Um, and the other man in The Salesman um, is obviously the, the, the person who commits the assault. Uh, and, it, and it really is much better to go see the film than to have any of that spoiled by us at all. But it's fair to say that the man who commits the assault... Is, the, is instrumental in driving the wedge between the married couple, right? Because he's the one who's caused that. And in La Strada, there is um, another um, much more dashing, much kinder man who's also a performer who comes on the scene and is kind to Delsamina uh, and, in fact, tries to encourage her to leave Zampano, doesn't he? And so that causes friction. Well, but, he, yeah. but he's the catalyst that keeps, him, keeps her to stay with him. But in that case, he plays Zamp a very interesting role, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, but Zampano obviously is jealous of him and misunderstands, mm. and then things mm. go a little bit difficult, <laughs> uh, you know, don't they? So I'm just yeah. sort of sort of saying that, that, that there's another. Um, oh yeah, you can with La Strada. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then he beats him. Zampano um, kills him. Yeah, that's right. Beats him and he accidentally kills him. Yes, that's mm. right. See, there are little nuances of maybe not good in him, but he didn't mean to kill him. <laughs> oh wow! You're, you should be a defense lawyer. Uh -oh. <laughs> all, that the work, all, that work, all that work I've done trying to build up La Strada and yeah. tear it all down by saying some, something like that. Well, no, look, the extent to which he's not all bad is simply that, you know, if you have any kind of um, sort of sympathy for the human condition, yeah, we can look at him and go, yeah. look, he means not what he does, or, you know. He's, well, he's, he's but, animalistic, isn't he? He's primitive. Yeah. Well, he's, they call him the beast quite often. Yeah. Animal. yeah. yeah. But also that is his role in the circus, isn't it? It's this whole absurdity yeah. with I'm going to put a chain around my chest and because of my pectorals, I will then burst this chain. Well, maybe that's know. something as well, is that the way he is is not just his own thing. It's a condition of society that they, that they can treat people or have people in their society that are so isolated that they have to become like an animal, you know, like freak shows and yeah, things like shows. that. It's like, that's put on the people, right? Mm. It's interesting. And in a different society, they might be valued more and have different roles to play. Mm. Well, talking about roles to play, he, he says he teaches her everything that she knows, and I guess he does, but she does more than he does, doesn't he? There's one scene where they pretend to be clowns, but... Pretty much we only ever see Zampano breaking the chain. We see the same trick about four or five times throughout oh, the yeah. film. Oh, yeah. Heaps of times. Whereas she's playing a trumpet, she's yeah. playing a drum, she's being a clown. She's... She plays the, the trumpet beautifully by then, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So it's... it's I don't really have a point there. I'm just... Mm. It's just interesting just to see. He's maybe a sing, quite singular and mm. she has more facets. Her, the, what, the, what, something I haven't really thought about is the way that they treat her mental instability. Mm. It's sort of a strange addition to the story and it's I think they just considered her to be a little bit weak or feeble minded she's not actually mentally disabled no. I don't even think, I wouldn't go so far as to say mentally deficient or whatever the out of date terms are or anything do you know what I mean? She's just naive childlike definitely that's how it's played up and how she's supposed to be so but what do you, what do you reckon she's just a bit weak? Well, I just think but she's then how come they were so but when she was with her family at the start, they were basically like, she can't do anything. 
Yeah, like there this. was. And she does so she's strange like conditioned things. to... Oh, to she, she does these strange yeah. things even amongst her family. I mean... Sure. Yeah. It's always a blur, blurry line, I guess. How much you really are that way and how much people have just told you all the time. Yeah, that you're, and you know. the, 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 the line between being a bit weird and slightly disassociated and being... Mentally, you know, when when the label comes on and you go, oh no, you've got this. Sure. Hey, um, you um, so tiny bit of trivia for those who don't know, um, that Fellini's films were shot at um, Cinecittà, just out of Rome, and um, I had noticed in um, actually in a Visconti film, Senso, mm. there is an American actor, Harley Granger, who plays the the lead, but the, the voice is dubbed, obviously, into Italian, just as Anthony Quinn's voice is dubbed into Italian oh, in wow. La Strada. And the thing is, though, when you look at the um, mouths, you can see that Anthony Quinn is not speaking, he's not even attempting Italian, it's mm. not, um, but he's, but I couldn't quite tell if he was saying his lines in English, but I think that that's what they used to do. Yeah. Um, that he would do his in English, Everybody would be dubbed later, and apparently this is because Chinichita is underneath the flight path, or, or there are a lot of um, oh. aeroplane noises or, or something around, and so therefore you couldn't possibly, even with the Italian actors, you couldn't preserve that dialogue, and everybody had to therefore dub it in mm. later. Oh, interesting. And that's how they managed to have heaps of um, heaps of American actors um, coming over mm. and, and, and being in all of the... Um, well, the spaghetti westerns yeah. as well, but yeah, that's, that's right. Do you think the, 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 the summoning up of the place is pretty amazing? I don't know if it's just partly... In La Strada? Yeah, just partly the, the place itself as being very interesting and um, barren. Well, mm. But it's, I just thought the setting was amazing, and it, it kind of flows through those places in a very fluid way. But I don't know, just something about the buildings. You've got kind of big... Um, I guess it's... They would have been built by dictatorships, wouldn't they, the, at that point? Um, there's these massive kind of complex buildings, apartments, but mostly just very barren, isn't it? Mm, mm. Well, I, I guess the there's, a similarity. Nice. there's a similarity there with Tehran, isn't there? I mean, mm. it mostly happens in buildings, the, the salesman. Mm. There's a little bit of around the, around the streets. And then, of course, there's that, that great bookending of um, the, the broken apartment mm. block as well. Mm. So there is a connection there. There's mm. sort of, I wouldn't say it's not barren in the salesman, but there's mm. definitely. But they a do. They, they say. Quality. They do say. Look what's happening to our city. Mm. Yeah. Um, so so yes, the the Tehranians, if that's the word, um, are are quite sort of despondent about the fact that everything's either falling down or is is just tatty and is not going to be rebuilt in any sort of good way. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook, which is also great places to let us know what you think of this episode or give us suggestions for future films to discuss or compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, and until then, ka kite anō.